you know a spot. But not just a spot. The spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Afrotech 2017, San Francisco, California. Beverly Jackson was at the time Vice President Social Media Marketing and Content Strategy for MGM Resorts International. She's now Vice President Global Brand and Consumer Marketing at Twitter. She's in a breakout room talking about the value of mentorship and the responsibility she feels to leave the door open for those coming behind us. So the job that I'm in right now is really interesting because I left the Grammys and people were like, why would you ever leave the Grammys? That's like the best job ever. But I really believe that things in your career have an expiration date on them. And so you've got to know when the milk is bad and be willing to walk away from it. And so I walked away from that opportunity and walked into an opportunity at Yahoo. And the idea of working for Marissa Mayer and being a part of the tech community in an in a immediate way, which is very different than sort of being on the edges, was super powerful. But really, the life-changing opportunity for me was this role at, at MGM Resorts. And in a very different way, because at Yahoo, I had, at the Grammys, I had an opportunity to, to help bloggers and help other people who were sort of in the space on their come up and attach them to an amazing brand. But at MGM Resorts, one of the things that I'm really doing is I've got a chance to build this team. And there are so many young people that look like some of the faces in this room that don't get an opportunity because no one on the other side of the table looks like me and knows what it's like to be a little brown girl from the west side of Chicago with a 16-year-old mama. I hear their stories in a way that's very different. And so being able to put people of color into roles that they would not normally have an opportunity to be in um, or to, to hear, and that doesn't mean they're not qualified. You know, they talk about leaving the door open behind you. 
my butt is in the door, my foot is in the door, my whole body is in the door because one day I don't have kids of my own and one day, and I was saying this to Brandon, one day I'm not gonna be here. And so my legacy is how many folks did I bring with me? I'm Will Lucas, Mrs. Black Tech, Green Money. I'm gonna introduce you to some of the biggest names, some of the brightest minds and brilliant ideas. If you're black in building or simply using tech to secure your bag, this podcast is for you. Davion Ross, co-founder of Shot Tracker, an entrepreneur in residence at RGA Ventures, has founded and scaled tech companies from the ground up, raising more than $40 million in venture capital. Now he's creating change, leading RGA's Coalition Venture Studio, an ongoing initiative designed to support black founders with expertise, resources, funding, connections, and education. Davion's a former athlete, so I asked him a question on behalf of the athletes who see the end of their playing days in sights. What opportunities in business and tech can scratch that competitive itch and keep them in the game, albeit from the stands? Look, I think the thing, the thing that I love about sports is that the foundations that, that, that I've learned from sports, whether it's like the, the level of competitiveness, the, the relationship building. I mean, I think that all of those things are fully transferable in the business world. So I, I think that, you know, in my mind, sports is just training for, you know, the business world when you get to that point. So yeah, absolutely. No doubt. It, it is a, it is, I won't say it's a seamless transition, but it's definitely allows you to build the, the tools and the things that are necessary to be successful, you know, in the business world. So how can people who are interested in, in sports from a playing perspective, find opportunities in technology that allow them to continue their passion? Well, I, I tell you what, like the, the business of sports is a really, really tough business, right? And part of it is because there are a lot of fans, right? Like there are a lot of people who have a love for the sport, a love for the game, who would do things like just to be a fan and just to be associated with the game, right? So it is challenging from that perspective. But I think that if you are in sports, no matter what it is, right? It could be, you know, college sports, it could be, um, professional sports, I think that the relationships you build allow you to have like a really seamless transition. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of athletes did it. I, so for instance, I'm, you know, I had a close relationship with David Stern. And, and when I met David Stern, I mean, he's, you know, everybody knows David Stern, right? The late David Stern may he rest in peace, but he wasn't an athlete, right? But when he was actually got done with the NBA, you know what he did? He was an intern for Graycroft. <laughs> Oh, wow. When I first met him, they were like, uh, yeah, we'd like you to speak to David Stern. Uh, sorry, we'd like you to speak to David. He's an intern. And I said, David, uh, David who? And they're like, David Stern. I'm like, David Stern intern? So even when you look at someone like that who has been in the midst of sports, like making a transition into venture capital, which is a little bit different, but you know, I think that there's an opportunity to, whether it's interning, I mean, you see a lot of athletes like you know, Iguodala go and intern with different companies. I mean, look, we, we've got the we've got the foundational elements, right? I mean, playing sports is one of the hardest things um, in regards to the mindset, the physical, the, you know, overcoming adversity. I mean, you have all the components that are necessary and now it's just a matter of transitioning it in a different realm. So you, you were an athlete and then you ultimately co-founded a couple of tech companies, one being one that played in the world of sports uh, with Shot Tracker. And talk about finding opportunities um, 
based on what you're uniquely suited to do well. You know, as an EIR, you're an entrepreneur in residence also, so you're helping other founders. What do, what do you say when you see people with ideas and like, yo, you, you're perfectly suited to do this thing or excuse me, you're probably not the right person to execute this opportunity? Yeah, no, I think, and, and sports is a great analogy to that, right? Like, so I think one of the things when I was in college, coach came in, right? And coach said, um, hey, everybody, here's a piece of paper. And he asked all these questions, right? And, and one of the questions he said, hey, if we're down by two, who do you want shooting the ball? Whoa. If you're down by three, who do you want shooting the ball? Which five do you want to have in the game? And, and what he was getting at is like, it's so important for us to understand our strengths and our roles and our responsibilities. That's literally what he's getting at. But he was trying to set in, instill a mindset in us in understanding, you know, how our roles need to fit the current situation. And I think that's the same here, right? Like if you're going into sports, you need to find a thing that, you know, you are strong at and, and, and fit in where you fit in so that you can actually meet your, like, your full potential. So from my perspective, I think the transition makes a ton of sense. I think just really understanding the, 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 where you're strong at. I mean, I hear a lot of companies say they like to, you know, enterprise was, was very adamant about this. At one point in time, they used to hire all of their sales reps from athletes. And that's one of the reasons why they became an NCAA corporate champion and a corporate partner because that was their lead gen. And what they found in their statistical data that, you know, athletes work really well in, in sales. Now that does not bottleneck us, but you know, they, they found that that works for them. And I think that we just need to look at our skill sets, understand where we fit in. And, um, you know, I like to tell people it's, it's really important to put yourself in a position where you can use your natural inclinations and your natural abilities because it becomes organic. It's not forced. And I think we excel when we put ourselves in those situations. So do you think, too many of us, you know, just see opportunities and pursue those. And we really don't have because what it takes to get from a venture capitalist is like, OK, why are you the one to do this? Yeah, there's a myriad world of problems out here to solve. But why are you the one? So when you talk about from an EIR or venture capital perspective, what is that conversation like to an entrepreneur who has an idea just because they saw, you know, a need in the world and yeah. they may not be the one? however, to, to solve that problem. Man, you bringing up one of the toughest discussions that venture capitalists and founders have. And, and I'll put it to you like this. A lot of times it's, it's, it may be that you are not the one, but it could also be like, you are not the one for where we are. You're not the one for this season, if that makes sense. Hey, you got us from point A to point D, but we need a different animal to get us from point D to, to I, right? So, I mean, it, it's, it's a tough, this, it's a tough discussion with folks when, you know, you're talking to them about the, um, you know, just, just figuring out that fit. Because like when, when somebody thinks about, are you the one, right? They're, they're, it's multiple facets. It's a very complex question, right? It's like, what? One, do you have like the, the, the intellectual fortitude to be able to execute on this, right? That's just one component of it. And do you have the grit that's necessary? Because I will tell you that this is not a straight line. Um, it looks, you know, it's up and down. It's an emotional roller coaster, right? And that's not for everybody, right? And 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 sometimes you have to live in the world of ambiguity as a founder. That that's not for everybody, also, right? 
And then, you know, there's, there's a piece of it that says, do you have the domain expertise? Are you able to walk into the environment or the domain that you're solving this problem for and be able to get people believe you and feel like, hey, you could really execute on this and solve it because you know this like the back of your hand. So it's, I mean, it's, it's a, you just open up a can of worms. It's a <laughs> complex, it, it's not black or white. It's, there's a lot of gray and it's a very complex question in regards to just figuring out like how founders in the match. And as I said before, there's a lot of times, I remember when my young, when, when, in my young days, you know, I broke up with my girlfriend right before I, 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 I came to the US. I'm from Trinidad, came to the US in a basketball scholarship. And like, I was down, man. And my mom said to me, and it's something that I'll never forget. She was like, hey, she was your girlfriend for that season and you needed her in that season. Now you're going into a new season. You're going to need different things. You're going to need different you know, and, and, and that's that's the entrepreneurial journey. Sometimes the business needs something different. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbroke, we hear inspiring rags-to-riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative. The 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. 
Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. What is happening in the room, the state of venture capital room, when they're deciding you know, who to fund, who not to fund? What is happening in that room when companies with diverse leadership have statistically outperformed less diverse startups, but they still don't get the capital when that, you know, executive team, that startup teams, that founding team is very monolithic, probably don't look like us. What is happening in that room that diverse companies don't get that capital? Because I, I would imagine like outperforming equals dollars. Well, that's where I'm, I'm putting my money, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, um, man, you, you be, you be pulling out some bombs here. I mean, like, these are like, these are like heavy, heavy, heavy topics. Um, look, man, it's, 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 uh, it's a problem. Right. And, um, when you ask what is happening in the room, you know, I, I have, I, I, I can only imagine, um, when I seen, what I've seen is that people of color really struggle to get access to capital because one, they may not have the relationships. One, they don't have somebody like saying like, yo, let me just walk you in the back door. And, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure you get this money. I mean, I've seen people who are non people of color raise capital on napkins more than people of color who have like, you know, full business plan, great education, revenue, bootstrap it. And, you know, you have to ask yourself why. Um, and I think that I, I think we're solving some of these things. I mean, I'm excited to say that we're, we're we haven't like overcome it, but I think that there's signs that having diverse people who have a appreciation for diversity, you know, with having diverse fund managers. I mean, we saw in the last, you know, last month, you know, two diverse groups, you know, Harlem and Mac raised, you know, what, 240 million or so. Um, so we're seeing people who are, you know, who, who are having different seats at the table, you know, be willing. I mean, you know, people use the word underestimated and it just irks me, right? Like I, I despise that word, but that's pretty much what, what people are doing, right? They're underestimating, you know, people of color and, and founders of color. And it's, it's, trust me, that word, that word irks me, right? Because your expectation, like I have, I have seven-year-old twins, right? Mm -hmm. They're not underestimated in our house. They may be underestimated in the world, but like the expectations that we have for them are so high, they are not underestimated in our house. And, and we try to set that standard. Um, but it's, it's, um, it's crazy, you know, what's happening, but, you know, we're seeing this changing at the times and, you know, I hope that this is the beginning and that, you know, we, we start seeing this democratization of access, you know, for people of color to get access to some of those dollars. You know, in, in 2019, this, the number says only 1% of venture capital dollars was deployed to black entrepreneurs and even, you know, increments of that to black women uh, entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, and it's going to take a while potentially to, you know, make a significant dent in that. It, but in the meantime, there are people, black men, black women who need that capital to go. Like, yeah. so what do we do in the meantime? 
Well, I think that um, in the meantime, we have to continue pushing for um, we, we have to continue pushing for folks who can actually have a seat at the table to help these black men, black women. Um, it's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about like the Coalition Venture Studio and, you know, really just trying to find ways to, to break down some of those barriers. I mean, I think that they are breaking down. I think that we're nowhere close. And I think that, you know, when you look at historically what is happening, we almost have to over-index to the extreme now because, you know, we're playing catch up. Right, so I mean, we we don't have a choice but to over-index. Um, if we folks of uh, like us who who have been able to raise some capital, who have been able to raise some relationships, we have a responsibility to start pulling other people up and opening doors for for us. I mean, this this these problems you're talking about are going to take a village. I mean, these are not like problems that there's no silver bullet. So it's going to have to be a culmination of a multitude of things to 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 really get us over that hump. So let's talk about this, this entrepreneur and resident. Like, let's first describe your definition of what an EIR is. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, you know, a traditional EIR is, you know, someone who's part of a VC firm who is, you know, a, a resource for, for, for entrepreneurs. Um, they, they're helping to give the, the entrepreneurial perception, perspective, you know, as part of the VC firm. Sometimes EIRs are, you know, they're, they're there working on projects, learning, understanding markets to figure out what's their next thing. I mean, I'm not, I don't fall in that bucket. Um, I fall in the bucket of, um, so let me give you a little bit of history. So uh, RGA Ventures and RGA have been an investor in my company since I was part of the Dodgers Accelerator back in 2015, 16. And what happened is that I, I, I built a relationship with them and I was a beneficiary of just some of the amazing things that they've done for me from the first time we actually put sensors in a basketball in a game at a collegiate level was when they set up a pilot for us with Fox and Intel and we got paid to do it and to prove our product, right? So like referenceable clients, paid pilot, big deal. Um, the second, you know, and there's a whole list of times, but the second time was, you know, we put sensors in basketball, someone like Nike and Adidas, they probably own you know, I probably have like 80% of the division one college market. If we can't get a deal with them, we're screwed. Right. And, and RGA had relationships and set up meetings and walked us like ushers us, us into that meetings. Here I am on the other side, like borderline restraining order, trying to get in by stalking people. And they literally open the back door and say, let me take you to the right folks. Game changing. And then, you know, even with the last set of capital that I raised, they're the ones who facilitated the, 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 the introduction to, to Verizon. So um, I have been a beneficiary of the RGA effect. And with, I think what we, we've all seen is, you know, over the last, um, you know, 12 to 18 months, non-people of color have seen what we have been saying in regards to the disparity for the longest while. Like to us, we're like, yo, it's par for the course. We've been saying this, which has led to folks saying, okay, we got to do something. And, and, and now I think it's great that we have allies that are helping us solve this problem, helping us over index in regards to like, to get us out of the, the hole that we were in. So in that discussion, you know, we were talking about, okay, how, what can we do? And we decided to partner up and, and bring this coalition venture studio to, to, to market, which is, you know, an ongoing initiative to help black founders, um, underrepresented founders, but really over-indexing on, on Black founders. 
Um, and um, we provide three things, creative capital, which is, you know, RGA is a big agency. Um, they work on, you know, some of the biggest clients, Nike, Google, Instagram, you name it. Um, how can we actually provide those resources that work on those projects to black founders um, for free uh, as part of that experience? And then relationship capital, which is one that I think is really powerful, but how do we take all the projects, pilots, everything that RGA is doing with all of their clients and figure out ways that we can incorporate black founders and underrepresented founders integrated into those experiences. So when somebody's looking for a technology solution to help bring a campaign to market, or they're looking to solve a problem, how do we look at this group of coalition members? And, and we don't want them to do it for free. We're talking about paid pilots, referenceable clients, like non-dilutive capital, right? And, and, and things that you can use to raise money because, hey, I have a pilot that I did and it was just successful. And then the last piece is there'll be a subset of people that they do invest. You know, RGA is not a venture capital firm. They invest off their balance sheet, but they created this vehicle that allows them to invest alongside their partners in a syndicate to, 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 to put a piece in, you know, alongside our partners who are true venture capitalists. And so I'm excited it came about. It came about out of, you know, us having a discussion and kudos to them, right? They came to me because they felt like, yo, we got to do something. Um, and I feel very fortunate, grateful, privileged that they uh, that they even thought about me to to be able to help them bring this to fruition. And I'm helping to guide that strategically, founder perspective, what matters to founders, how do you hold people accountable so that we just don't say it. <laughs> so if we're going to work with a founder, let's work with a founder. Um, so that's kind of the role that I'm playing. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. 
And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let's go deeper there because, you know, like some EIRs, entrepreneurs and residents are people who, you know, failed or are transitioning from a company and simply need a job, right? And that ain't you, you know, as as you said it. Um, Talk about the real value proposition provided by an EIR, a good one, to both the firm and the entrepreneur. Yeah, I mean, I think to the firm, you know, what we traditionally have is this disconnect, right, of, you know, um, entrepreneurs thinking that they're ready to work with large corporate clients. And then you got large corporate clients who think that getting paid net 90 is acceptable, (laughs) along with so many other things like, you know, and that, you know, hey, we should have a meeting every month and maybe we'll have a project in six months. Like there is a very substantial disconnect between both of those groups. You know, you got one group who is nimble, who is, and then you got one group as a speedboat, the other group is a Titanic. You know, so I think that that's one of the roles that I've played. So I know like, you know, there's been many ideas that we've come up with and I'm like, okay, wait, 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 but we can't take the entrepreneurs through all this process. That's like a six to nine month project process. They would have gone a business, gone out of business right now if they don't get some deals, you know? And then to the, um, to the entrepreneur side is like, hey, yo, you got to make sure that your stuff is, if, if, uh, if our agency is going to work with you to put their project and incorporate you in their project, you need to be ready so that when they put you in place in their project, they can, they can execute because, you know, their goal is to deliver on these things to be successful. And if your technology is not ready or you don't have things ready. So, you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, you're bilingual, right? You're trying to figure out how do you facilitate both sides and, and help entrepreneurs get prepped for these opportunities and then giving perspective to um, the corporations and the agency in regards to how do you work with startups? You know, you talked about you were, you know, approached by RGA uh, to do this, but let's, let's, let's imagine that, you know, you went after them, right? So how can black entrepreneurs, innovators, ecosystem builders approach potential partners who may have larger footprints or are more established in mainstream? How can we approach them to activate initiatives on behalf of black founders? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, this may sound crazy, but we can't go into it thinking about ourselves. And 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 let me let me unpack that. Right, like I'll give a perfect example. Um, I think the reason we 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 work with Verizon and we got an investment from Verizon, we being Shot Tracker, is because there was an alignment of their corporate initiatives, and we helped to meet some of those requirements. Right. So from our perspective, when they think about like 5G and the proliferation of 5G, we are probably one of the best instantiations of showcasing 5G because of the speed of our data. So from my perspective, when I started to think about Verizon and how do we position this, you know, I had to lean a little bit about their objectives. And like, of course, you got to have your stuff in the back of your mind. But first and foremost, I had to think about like, how do I have them meet their goals? 
And by helping them meet their goals, we're going to get ours. We're going to get the implementation. We're going to get our stuff. But if we can help them. So, and I think that that's something that is really important with strategic partners. If you're looking at strategic partners that are bigger than you, you need to like strategically understand what their objectives are, you know, because somebody's trying to get a promotion, <laughs> right? Somebody at that large organization has some initiative, something in their incentive program, something that they are trying to accomplish to get them to the next level within that organization. And if you can actually assess, figure it out, not only strategically, but also on the individual level, and you can actually position yourself in a way to help them understand where you're a resource, and in turn, you get what you need out of it, I think that's how we have to approach strategic partnerships. It's, it's kind of like a, a, a customer first type of approach. I mean, you're going to get yours, you're going to get paid, you're going to work it out. But at first, let's help them understand how we're going to help them solve their problems and we're going to benefit in the long term. Who might succeed as an entrepreneur in residence? Who? The makeup of a um, person. The makeup of a person. I think, I personally think uh, formal entrepreneurs, both successful and unsuccessful. And, you know, we have our own definition of unsuccessful. Maybe they didn't sell their company for a lot of money. Um, but like the learning process that comes from just bringing a company from the back of a napkin to some level of fruition, whether that's one customer, two customer, big exit, IPO, like that process is an amazing learning process. So I, I, I even hate using the word unsuccessful, right? Because you know, I feel like there's there's a certain level of learning that goes through the entrepreneurial process. So I really think that, you know, formal entrepreneurs make the best EIRs. I mean, based on on, on what's necessary. Um, I think they have a level of, you know, they're going to speak to people from um, a place of experience versus hearsay. And I think they'll have a certain level of empathy in dealing with founders, understanding their position. And depending on their interactions and the level of success, um, they'll probably have um, a, a good understanding of what it takes to be to, to get to the next level. So I really think that having that entrepreneurial background plays a really critical role in, in being a good EIR. Um, and then I also think that you, again, you're almost like a translator, right? You got to figure out how you work with the corporate side, with you know the organization that you're working within. So there's that side of it too. How does a startup get engaged with an EIR in the first place? Is it that, you know, hey, I pitched to this firm and it, instead of writing me a check, they put me in this program or, you know, like how does how does that relationship get initiated? Yeah, I mean, I think that 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 relationship, I mean, it, it's a little different for different situations and depending on the role that the, the EIR is actually playing. Um, I think it's it's very different depending on the role in some situations where that 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 entrepreneur is is really just trying to figure out their next thing. That's a whole different dynamic than someone that's, you know, potentially there to be a, a resource, you know, to the entrepreneurs. I think that um, if I was to tell entrepreneurs, I think it's not a matter of like searching out EIRs for for knowledge, right? I think it's a matter of searching out like other entrepreneurs within the group and mentors and that type of stuff. I think ERR is just you know, one facet of mentorship that's that's associated. And again, it really depends on, 
um, the objectives of that EIR. I think in my situation is a little bit different, but when you look at a traditional VC firm, that's to your point, someone who's, you know, kind of figure out what's the next thing, trying to understand a market and in the process helping, you know, the VC firm figure out what's next or what, what uh, market they should be going into, et cetera. Black Tech Green Money is a production of Blavity Afrotech from the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia. And it's produced by Morgan DeBond and me, Will Lucas, with additional production support by Love Beach and Raven Nearborn. Special thank you to Michael Davis and Sakara Savanyan, you know, like the wine? Yes, that's his real name. Learn more about my guests and other tech disruptors and innovators at afrotech.com. Do me a solid and rate this podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts. Go get your money. Peace and love. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. ATT connects and old to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work, in traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.